Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, director Denis Villeneuve on Blade Runner 2049, Dune, and a Star Wars movie? Dot, dot, dot. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. You just cracked yourself (laughs) up on that one, didn't you? (laughs) I love the dot, dot, dot. Yeah. (laughs) The ellipse. A big ellipse guy. I'm I'm also just very excited about this guest, Sammy. Mm. Sue me. I'm excited. Okay. It's so rare for me. Yeah, you're never excited about your guests. This one in particular, all the rest can go to hell. I'm telling Ben Mendelsohn that. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Denis Villeneuve is the, the major guest, the one and only guest on this week's podcast. He is, of course, the fantastic filmmaker behind Blade Runner 2049 and Sicario and Arrival and Prisoners and Ensembles. And, and he's just... Prisoners? That's right. Oh, he knows Hugh. <laughs> one de- another one degree away from Hugh. Oh, I love this guy. Okay, we don't talk about prisoners at all, yeah. just so you know. Oh. Uh, th- this, is a, this is one of those episodes where um, it was a rare opportunity to dive deep into a particular film, because Blade Runner 2049 uh, is a film that I, I greatly admired. I've seen it three times. I really just... I, I, I'm, I'm, You've seen it three times? Yeah, yeah. I really like You're this movie. You're psycho. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's been out for like 15 minutes. Just calm down. Uh, okay. This, is, this was a movie... That was so eagerly anticipated, and for you know people that grew up kind of worshiping uh, the original Blade Runner, we were also curious about how Denis could possibly follow it up. And somehow, I think most people agree he achieved something um, very unique and special, and yet still honored the first Blade Runner. Sadly, the box office was not that great. I don't know what to tell you guys. We, he made a great movie for you. Where were you? Because you probably saw it for free all three times. That's why. That's not true, actually. At least twice. Two of the three times I paid for it. Well, that third time it would have nailed. <laughs> yeah, so those $15 would have put it over the top. Um, so this is a rare opportunity to talk to a filmmaker um, in depth uh, about a movie that's recently uh, come out. And we got to get, get into spoilers. This is a spoiler kind spoiler of conversation. Alert. There you go. So um, if you have not watched Blade Runner 2049 yet, I would advise not listening yet. Come back to us when you have. Um, and for those of you that have enjoyed that film, this is going to be a very rewarding conversation, I think, because Denis now has um, license to talk at length about the choices he made in the film, his, his, his approach, um, you know, and just sort of, I, I got an opportunity to ask like kind of plot questions that, um, I was certainly curious about. Plus we got a chance to talk about his future. He's, um, he's currently working on, um, Dune, the much beloved, um, book series by Frank Herbert, of course, that he is going to, uh, he's scripting, he's co-scripting right now with an intention to direct. And he talks about why he fell in love with that book, uh, early on and, his hopes for that movie. And yes, as I teased uh, with my dot, 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 uh, ellipses uh, introduction, uh, I even asked him about a Star Wars movie, and I was actually surprised that he, um, he would entertain such a thing it, it, with certain conditions. So stay tuned. Listen to that part Conditional of the Conditional Star Wars. Exactly, but, yeah. exactly. I mean, this is a guy that has his pick of the litter right now. He's been offered a James Bond movie. He's, um, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're able to, like, direct something like a Blade Runner sequel and the critics fall in love with it and everyone acknowledges that he that he did a great job with it. I think every studio is now like, okay, Denis is at the top of their short list. So he's in a great position. Um, so that's the conversation this week. Uh, what else to say? Um, we have survived Thanksgiving. Yeah. Oh, I am full. Are oh, you? Too much stuffing. Okay, we t- we're taping this before Thanksgiving. <laughs> Pre-taping. <laughs> What's good acting though? What's uh okay? What's your uh, what's Sammy's pick of the week? By the way, what's the what's the thing that you've been enjoying? POW. POW. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm a little slow on the update. It's yeah. from all that turkey. Yeah, it goes to my head. Yeah. Uh-huh. What have you been watching? Like what your you been turkey enjoying? sandwich you had for lunch. Exactly. Uh, Hunter. Oh, I'm jealous. You've seen all of Hunter. Yes, you'll love it because you're the psychopath. <laughs> so you're gonna be like, I really relate to these guys. <laughs> Why are they yeah. bothering these yeah. <laughs> these poor serial killers? It's Jonathan Groff is, I'm a big Groff fan. I know a lot of people are. I was I was at an event where where he was the other day, and like Ooh. people were, people, no, but people were around me were very excited, and yeah. I don't I I don't have I haven't seen him in things. What would I have seen him in? Okay, well, theater it was Spring Awakening. See, I never saw Spring Awakening. Well, that's why you're a bad person. <laughs> uh, he was amazing in Spring Awakening. Okay, then he hopped over to Glee for a little, and then he was in Hamilton and I missed him in Hamilton the one I saw him he was not in Hamilton and he's just so he's wonderful and he's so good in this he's one of the leads right he's the lead and he sat four rows in front of me at M Butterfly a couple weeks ago so uh, (laughs) there's a link there's a there's a connection I started it that night (laughs) I literally did that's amazing I was like oh I just saw him how many episodes 
It's like, like a, eight or ten. Kind a, of like? Yeah. Okay. Eight to ten. I don't remember exactly because okay. on Netflix they just go into the next one. Right. They're so sly that way. Yeah. Like if you're not quick enough on the remote, like oh, I guess you're I'm like, in the next uh-oh. episode. <laughs> I guess um, it's four days later. I'm very excited. That's next on you're my You're gonna list. really like it. Uh, you all are gonna really like it. Um, that, Except for my mom. My mom didn't like it. Oh really? It's a little too dark for it's her. It's probably not a mom show. Yeah. Generally, not she was stereotype. like, I don't like it. It's too real. And I'm like, well, they, yeah, it's, right. they were literally real. So, so that's, that's next on my list. That an American Vandal. That's, uh, that's it. You know, American Vandal's really good too. Not, not to ruin a potential upcoming guest, but I did my, the, the show I most recently binged guys. Here's a hint of who's coming up. Who? I watched the crown. <gasps> you didn't tell me you watched the crown. I watched all of the crown. I just went to London because of the crown. Do you, do you know who's coming up the, from the no. crown? No. I haven't told you? No. Okay, I'm going to ruin it just because it's too cruel. Um, Claire Foy and Matt, no. Smith, and Matt Smith are both coming both on. Both of them? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, we're all so lucky. We're so lucky. They are both going to be sitting right where you are. Hopefully not on the same seat. Are they going to see it? Oh, yeah, my. they only get one seat to share. I might have to come. Okay, so let's let's. This is gonna be so good. Let's let Sammy lie down, uh, and <laughs> she, has, oh. she has to collect herself. That's coming up in a, in, a, in a couple weeks, I think. But for now, Blade Runner twenty forty nine enthusiasts, sit back and relax. Here's uh, one of the great filmmakers working today. Uh, I'm such a fan of his. Enjoy this chat with Denis Villeneuve. It's a huge honor and a great pleasure to welcome uh, Mr. Denis Villeneuve to my office. Uh, a filmmaker I greatly admire. Uh, welcome, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I have to say, you know, this is this is an opportunity um, that I wasn't sure I was going to get because Blade Runner uh, came out and you were you know doing the crazy publicity circuit and there was so much secrecy. Uh, it was shrouded in secrecy, and all I wanted to do was talk to you at length about this film. So uh, I'm glad we're getting the opportunity a little bit after the fact to delve into it. Yeah, and it's a better environment and a better timing because, as you rightly said, uh, as I was doing the press tour, it was just under an insane uh, pressure of secrecy. So it's like uh, we were not allowed to talk about nothing. Yeah. (laughs) So now uh, uh, let's say that the people that don't want to get spoilers stop that uh, podcast now because uh, we'll talk about uh, We can talk about it everything now yeah and, and i'll just get the congratulations out of the way up front because i mean i've seen this film three times i i, I greatly uh admire what you've done with this film and it, it was as you well know a kind of an impossible task <laughs> in terms of um you know there are few films like the original blade runner that exist in our consciousness in such a way um and it was almost for me as a film fan impossible to dream of what what even a sequel would be how you can honor mm. a sequel, uh, honor the original, and yet make something all your own. And um, and somehow you were able to achieve that. So congratulations. Uh, thank you. The thing is that I, I, I um, it's true that the chances of success were very small, but uh, the conditions were there. There were... There was at the beginning a very strong, very strong ideas coming out of uh, Empton Venture and Ridley Scott uh, brains. You know, there was like a, a strong dream on the pages, and Michael Green had uh, written a strong screenplay. So um, that's why I get on board. Yeah. I got, I got on board. Can, can we first before we get into Blade Runner talk a little bit about your background in terms of the films that you grew up with, in particular films that relate to Blade Runner, perhaps. Um, were you steeped in science fiction growing up? Was science fiction a great love of yours? Yeah, the thing is that I grew up uh, uh, in a small village uh, in Canada where the most exciting thing was were, uh, uh, the n- nuclear power plant at three, three miles away and, and the uh, snowstorms. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like I, I, um, I grew up uh, reading uh, tons of graphic novels, uh, uh, sci-fi graphic novels coming out from Europe, mm-hmm. Metal Hurlant. Heavy metal in English, I think, and and then um, uh, watching uh, sci-fi movies on TV. You know, it's like it's it's uh, uh, my birth. The birth of the desire of being a director was definitely linked with science fiction, and uh, um, I spent my teenage years writing stories, doing storyboards uh, with a close friend of mine, um, dreaming about doing science fiction. So. Uh, uh, it was something that I had put aside, yeah. a dream that I, I was hoping one day will, will be fulfilled. Uh, 
it was a long journey, but uh, I'm finally uh, back in my uh, origins. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the first, or, or it can be one or two different experiences, going to a movie theater in terms of films that changed the way you perceived cinema? I mean... You know, oh, it's a, there's. I mean, it's it's not the one movie. It's a, a lot of movies. Yeah. The way uh, that uh, the the one of the the first movie I have seen that uh, um, I uh, I figure out what was the job of a director was. Uh, I remember uh, watching a, a Close Encounter of the Third Kind or, or uh, movies from Spielberg and uh, feeling that there was something different yeah. in those movies and that uh, it, because there was a name attached to them and that man was like uh, had a strong vision and uh, I discovered uh, that he was an author, you know, and, and, and uh, Spielberg was one of my main first influence. Uh, uh, Coming out from a, a small place in Canada, uh, of course, the movies we were uh, having, uh, I was in contact with, were mostly Americans. You know? Right. Then, uh, uh, and strangely, from Close Encounter, uh, there was that French character that was so oh, so, it, so hypnotic, and, and that was Lacombe. played by <laughs> François Lacombe, played by François Truffaut, yes. the great. And then, so strangely, because of Spielberg, I discovered the French New Wave. I got interested oh, so in, in, yeah. in Truffaut, and then I discovered Godard, and Godard was a massive. Jean-Luc Godard was a massive shock for me. Yeah. To see how playful and and uh, challenging and and experimental can be the cinema could be uh, the potential of cinema I discovered with uh, Godard and then uh, I discovered uh, Antonioni was a strong shock too and then later one of the strongest aesthetic shock was uh, uh, Bergman Ingmar Bergman mm. uh, uh, for me still one of my favorites by far and uh, Kubrick too. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful the way you describe it is beautiful because that is the way I've experienced it and many I think film fans experience it is um, they all connect whether it's through an actor that appears in one thing or another or a director you know if it's if it's Brian De Palma that's influenced by Hitchcock you go back to Hitchcock and yeah, etc yeah, 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 and it's just yeah, yeah. never ending loop that is uh, endlessly rewarding. Um, I still feel like I'm learning, um, you know, having. You know, there, there's no end to learning unless you're Martin Scorsese and have seen every film. Yeah, twice. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and me, I'm, I have massive holes in my cinematic culture. You know, there's moments in the part of the history of cinema that uh, I still need to explore. And there are so many films that are, uh, are done today. I'm trying to catch up. And the more I'm making movies, the less I have time to watch movies. Yeah. And uh, I think it's... Uh, um, yeah, right now, I'm, I just feel a big need to, to, to start to... Go back to the cinephile part of my life, you right. know. <laughs> you've been you've been making the movies yeah. for a while now. You need to go back and enjoy them. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, the anticipation going into Blade Runner. I was talking. I mean, I was talking to fellow film fans that were so curious about what you were doing with this and what um, you know the whole team was doing. I was also talking to filmmakers that were very curious. I mean, I had a chance to talk to Christopher Nolan here. He came in for Dunkirk, and um, he was endlessly curious too. I mean, he's just an admirer of yours, an admirer of the. The original film um did you feel that from fellow filmmakers did you talk to other filmmakers or even show the film to other filmmakers the thing is that uh, uh, i think that uh, uh, it's blade runner for most of the people is is a, is a an artistic object that is revered i mean it's like uh, massively respected right. it's a it's a as Christopher Nolan told me, you're walking into sacred territory here. Like, it, I don't, th I think people uh, right, were very worried and are sometimes upset or, uh, 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 and I understand why. Because uh, if you told me that uh, one of my friends or someone, uh, another filmmaker will have done, try to do a, uh, a sequel to this, I will have the same, uh, yeah, suspicious uh, thing. It's it's um, yeah. When the first time I heard that they were they were, they were planning to Ridley Scott was uh, yeah. uh, thinking, uh, I thought it. Uh, I I was I remember saying to myself, that's a fantastic, exciting, bad idea. You know, it's <laughs> like you don't do that. It's like uh, why? And and I'm myself. Uh, I feel there's a lack of a. It's not true. There's a lot of, uh, of original content that is still being made today. It's just that we don't have access to it. Uh, right. Because, uh, but um, 
I feel that Hollywood is uh, in danger of a re the recycling mode. Uh, at one point, it will express uh, in, in there will be an inner explosion. <laughs> yeah, well, it is an interesting time, as you well know, as a, as a film fan and for myself, especially when you look at studio films and what they spend a lot of money on. There's that push and the pull of. Um, You know, I think studios tend to want to make the familiar because they want a safe product for the audience. They want to make the audience feel like they know what they're they're getting and they can cash in on that. But inevitably, for me, I think for people that appreciate great works of art and, and cinema, it's the ones that take risks. It's the ones that put themselves out there. Yeah, it's it's a thing. Is that uh, the audience today uh, uh, is very different from the audience that uh, was going to film theaters. Uh, very few decades ago, Lomad, uh, I, I feel it's like uh, there's like a, a hunger for project that people will recognize, they feel f safe, yeah. uh, they, they want to see things that uh, they are less, uh, they feel less, uh, there's less uh, a desire for un the unknown, it feels, yeah. Right, uh, and that's everything that Blade Runner is, it's like it, it's couched in the unknown, yeah, yeah, yeah. And questioning yourself, and question. And it's, it's a film, both of your these films are filled with questions that uh, um, you can debate with your friends for hours, which is part of the beauty of it. Um, was what was the in the end the or what was there a period of time where you were wrestling with whether to do this or not or what was it an instinctual once it was presented to you as an option was it too great an opportunity to pass up there was two things the first uh, uh, a deep excitement and a massive curiosity when they put the screenplay in front of me I was moved that uh, the two producers behind the project Andrew Kosov and, and Broderick Johnson are, are Uh, which I had done prisoners with. Uh, uh, when they approached me, I was moved that they uh, they had enough trust in me to do that. That I was really. Uh, um, but then there was two things. I read the screenplay, and I felt it felt strangely familiar. And meaning not that I uh, it it was uh, some ideas that were very uh, strong and fresh, but it it felt like I felt home. Meaning that. It was. I felt it was. There was a continuity with the work I have done before. Mm. So it, there, there was. I understood why. Because at the beginning I said, "Why me?" It could have been in the hands of uh, a lot of directors. You know, why me? But when I read it, it's okay. Understand? It makes sense. It's 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 linked with what I. It it it's in a direct. Uh, that was a very strange feeling. In the same time, I felt also <clears throat> that technically I was ready to do such a movie. Yeah. Now I had to make the. The big thing was I had to make peace with the idea that, uh, as I said previously, the chances of success were very small, sure. very narrow, and that uh, I could be banned from the cinematic community for the rest of my life for doing such a, a, a blasphemy. blasphemy. Familiar, yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, it's like, uh, yeah. But, it's, but, but it's, it's just that, you know what, you make a movie of that scale, It's it's uh, uh, always risky, and uh, uh, it was a dream of mine to to try to do a big science fiction movie like that. And right. I felt that it worth it worth when I read the script to say, okay, if I risk everything, if I it's my last movie, if it's like it, that that is meaning, very meaningful. It's like yeah. it's like it's like, uh, and I love 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 the story, and 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 uh, uh, the first movie is part of my uh, I would say my cinematic DNA in some ways. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a movie that I deeply loved. For uh, the decades, so I said, "All right." Uh, once I agreed and I made peace with that, I be when I, uh, once I made peace with the idea that uh, it it was like uh, like Ryan Gosling was saying, trying to aim as a little, little, little aim in that uh, far away to to be able to. Then I become free again, and and I I, uh, I decided to do it. Yeah. Um, we're going to get into some more overtly spoiler territory right now, so I just want to say that if you haven't seen the, the movie by now, as I've seen it three times, and I'll see it many more, um, go and check it out. And, and now let's, let's, start, let's start to get into some plot stuff if we could, if you'll indulge me. I mean, one of, one of the interesting things for me is um, that Kay's journey in this, in some ways mirrors, not Deckard's from the first one, but... It, almost Batty's journey, Roy Batty. Like, he, he wants to be human. He wants to feel he is, um, uh, has human qualities, just as Batty wants, uh, wants life. 
Is that something that that occurred to you and the and the writers in terms of the story process? In terms of a lot of people I know have gone back and looked at the original Blade Runner and even see um, Batty as almost the hero of that. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, film. yeah, 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 totally. No, <clears throat> no, it's like it's a, in the in the new Blade Runner we are following Roy Batty uh, and he becomes the, the the main character. You know, as as yeah. uh, the first one, it's Deckard looking for Batty, and now it's Batty looking for Deckard. You know, and and. and uh, there's no, I will say, a thing about Michael Green's writing. There's no coincidences. I mean, he's a very intellectual, uh, 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 a strong writer that uh, uh, thinks a lot. Uh, there's no, uh, yeah, coincidences. <laughs> the, uh, I also love, I mean, you kind of have two antagonists in this film, in Wallace and Love, uh, arguably. Um, and it's interesting that, like, um, we never get necessarily, you know, in... in you would almost expect there's going to be the final showdown, not only with love, but th- there's some resolution or something with Jared Leto's character. But we, we don't see that he never even shares a scene mm. with uh, Ryan Gosling's character, Kay. Um, was there ever a consideration of that? Did you feel like he, that, that, that character didn't demand that kind of... Uh, That's the thing I, re- I loved about uh, uh, the screenplay is that it, 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 it was quite bold. In some regard, in different uh, different aspect. Uh, first of all, uh, the the first part of the movie is a, a, a intellectual investigation uh, of the character. It's like it's like a, a more uh, slow burner, and and uh, uh, there's this idea that that uh, one of the main protagonists is is uh, uh, the two main of the two main protagonists doesn't don't meet there there's like yeah. and those were that uh, we had we rose those questions as we were uh, 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 writing uh, the project and and uh, i just felt that uh, again it's nice to try new ways of uh, approaching a story you know not trying to 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 feel secure because you apply a recipe you know uh, we right. try to uh, to approach it uh, in a different way, and 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 uh, I'm grateful that the producer had the guts to go there. You know, in terms of your your visual approach to this, and and you know the 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 DP has been has been you know cited. This is a gorgeous film, and is just uh, re- remarkable in what um, you and he were able to achieve in this, in terms of um, atmosphere and lighting, etc. And again, like the first moments of the film. Are, are so unlike anything we saw in the original Blade Runner. It's a totally different kind of environment where, you know, in that protein farm, kind of a barren landscape as opposed to kind of the cityscape that we're used, we, we associate with Blade Runner. Um, how, you know, is it a negotiation for you in terms of like how much to show that recalls the original Blade Runner and then how much to go in a different direction to show different kinds of environments? Was that something that you were wrestling with or did it feel like again? The thing is that, uh, it, uh, again, it's, it's in the screenplay, ad, uh, I, um, there was like... A, uh, every time I was in, 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 the, in the Rick Dickard's neighborhood, I felt secure because it's an environment that uh, we knew, we knew right. what were the rules, we knew what was the look. Uh, um, it's... it's uh, what the world will look like are outside the outskirts of Los Angeles, and once you will get out of Los Angeles, what are, what it will look like? One of the key elements that uh, was in the screenplay was the idea that California will be struggling with a new kind of uh, climate. Uh, there will be it will be colder. Right. There will be snow, and that for me was massive. Being uh, from Canada, you know, I was born in the snow. It's something I have a very intimate relationship with. Very, uh, it's like it. it uh, and it's it can sound trivial or banal. It, it's it's just very very uh, specific for me. It and it uh, indicate for to me how people think, walk, uh, 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 behave. Uh, uh, um, There's it's, also water everywhere in the yeah film. yeah there's yeah a yeah. Motif of of water. But like in the first movie, there's like there's, it's a uh, 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 the pressure of water. The ocean rose, uh, uh, flo- flooded. Uh, 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 countries, there's like part of Los Angeles. Uh, the, the, there's a massive seawall that protects the city now, called the Sepulveda Seawall. So everything uh, west of Sepulveda Boulevard is flooded. You know, it's like a bye right. uh, bye Santa Monica. It's <laughs> like it's like a, a, um, 
so where I'm going is that it it uh, and more important it the the idea of winter indicate to me the idea of of the light, mm. and it's one thing that I always uh, the birth of the dream for a movie is always linked with the nature of light to me. How how uh, and and um, so the idea at the beginning when I had the idea to create a silver white Blade Runner instead of a black one like the first movie is, is very. Uh, uh, dark and then uh, uh, I felt I had uh, I had a key to open this world mm-hmm. and to bring Ridley Scott's universe close to me, yeah. to invade it, to to transform it according to my own sensibility through winter and and that was a big revelation for me. Is, yeah. is there is there a scene? And that, I, w- I yeah, want to say the please. opening of the movie is the uh, opening of the original movie. I had heard that. that yeah. it, was, uh, it was storyboard, it was planned, it was written, it was supposed to open with that Sapper Martin. Sapper uh, 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 Martin. Uh, and I thought it was brilliant that uh, uh, Hampton and, uh, and uh, Michael Green uh, went back to that and, and, and uh, bring it back to the, to the screen. Well, and I also have to say, you're casting of Bautista. Bautista just is so amazing in that scene. He conveys so much through very little dialogue, just his presence... Uh, a lived in he's not that old a guy he's playing a bit of an older mm-hmm. character um but also just the and i know you've talked about how like one of the fun things or interesting things about this is like you know we today in 2017 we're living in such a digital world and you've gone to like an analog world in in this futuristic film um you know that opening scene's in a sh- like a, a farm it's in a shack and uh, that's it's just fascinating to me. Dave Bautista, for me, uh, I deeply love Dave. I, will, I hope I will have the chance to work with him again because he's really a natural-born actor, very uh, uh, with a lot of depth. It's, it's yeah, very he conveys it's, so much. With yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like uh, I remember Ryan Gosling and I. Uh, I don't like to put words in someone else's mouth, but <laughs> I mean, I will say we both. Uh, uh, we're uh, in awe uh, yeah. working with him. Uh, he's like, uh, and such a, a nice human being too. Yeah. Is is there a scene that you wrestled with in terms of how to shoot? Like that that you kind of like tried were you were unsure for a while in terms of like what is the way to um, depict this on screen? Um, is it one stand out to you? Uh, the thing is that the 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 the, the mo- to when you make a movie like that, it has to be everything has to be very meticulously planned. Yeah, you can't improvise on set. No, like but we did sometime improvise with the actors, but uh, um, because I wanted to have that freedom, but but uh, uh, otherwise everything is like uh, uh, storyboarded. Uh, so because you need to create everything, you know, yeah. all the sets, all everything. So the, the, the people need to know where you're going and, and then also to, uh, to plan... Uh, I like to storyboard. The more I, I do, uh, the more I, I, I love the power of storyboarding because you make so many de- decisions about the stylistic stylist, uh, style of the movie and, and it's like um, it allows you, it gives you more freedom at the end of the day. It allows you to improvise because you're so well, yes. re- you're ready to shoot. But um, no, I don't think that there was a scene because as, again, we were so ready when we started the shoot, Roger and I. All those debates had happened months and months. Yeah, 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 definitely. Was there uh, on the eve of release? Was there one aspect of the film, whether it was a story point or or a stylistic approach, that you were um, losing sleep over in terms of how it would be interpreted or received by an audience? Was there an aspect of the film you were worried about? Oh yeah, but the whole film. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, mostly there are some scenes like there's like the, a scene that uh, 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 gave me a little bit of nightmares as I was doing it. It was is the uh, casino fight. I mean, when the, uh, uh, there's a sequence where uh, uh, Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford are uh, fist fighting, you know, right. in a very cowboy way, in the in the uh, um, um, in the uh, RG of a holographic RG, you know, like yeah. a visual, um, and that uh, I was uh, worried that I was really I, I I work very we work very hard to make sure that we were still in the Blade Runner universe doing this it sounds strange but it's a very fine line because we were suddenly in contact with element of culture that people will recognize from the past right and and uh, and the technology that needed to be like you had to feel that those holograms were part of an older technology that they were like a Filled with glitches, and the system were corrupted, and and those holograms will create a kind of a, of a, um, 
like digital painting uh, where the characters are fighting through and and it's like i just wanted to make sure that and there was several things that needed to happen in this scene at the same time for the characters uh, i i uh yeah that scene gave me a lot of nightmares i would say yeah um, a, a couple, a couple of plot things that I, I'm curious about. Was there ever, was there ever a mention of Roy Batty's character at any point considered? No, but I will say that uh, for me, I thought about Roy Batty a lot as I was shooting the movie. It's like, it's uh, 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 such, such a strong, uh, charismatic character. I felt that. Um, he was just beside me, telling me what to do. <laughs> because uh, I, for me, in some ways, he's the most influential character on this film. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the thing is that it's. Uh, for, the thing is, uh, uh, I'm so different. Uh, I have a very different sensibility than Ridley Scott. So I, my big challenge was not to go far, too far away from the original one. Yeah. Yeah. Was uh, was Kay ever in any incarnation considered to be? Their child was that always? That was never. No, no, no. It was uh, the, that the plot, the, the 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 original plot didn't change. Yeah. What? Why does? Why does love cry when she kills Robin? I, I I deeply love the fact that, you know, the 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 replicants they uh, are um, beings that are very of course stronger than real humans. They are like a more uh, intelligent. But they, emotionally, they are like very vulnerable because they don't have the 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 proper uh, uh, pillow of of experience yeah. to digest emotions or to know how to react. Like and children I, I, still dealing with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I like I like the fact that uh, love is a bit uh, uh, psychopath. You know, she she um, she her emotional reactions are not. Uh, uh, they are, she's like very uh, always on the edge, and and she's and uh, yeah, and 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 she reacts. Uh, uh, it's like the dots are not connected at the, <laughs> at the right moment. She cries at the wrong moment. I, I and the way uh, uh, Sylvia Oaks portrait that character I think is very powerful. She brought a lot to the character. Sylvia, yeah. who I've never frankly seen before in film, is amazing in the film. It's a, it's a revelation. I, it was a revelation to me too. Yeah. Uh, Sylvia Oaks is an, an, an incredible actress. Yeah. Honestly, I a uh, very strong, strong artist. Is, is it true that you were considering reteaming with Emily Blunt for, for that particular character? or? Um, silence. Okay. The, 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 the thing is, I, I, uh, Emily is, uh, again, is, uh, is someone I would love to work with again, definitely. Emily, uh, I had such a great time on Sicario with her. Uh, uh, but uh, if memory is good, uh, Emily was pregnant at yeah. the time. <laughs> <That's a good laughs> excuse. <laughs> um, was, was the musical cue at the end always there, Tears and Rain? Were, was that planned in the script stage or the pre-production no, stage? No, it's, it's, it's me who brought, that, uh, brought that, that idea there. It's like um, uh, the, um, it's a thing that happened. A movie is, is a living uh, organism. At one point, it's like a Frankenstein. You put the pieces together and it starts to breathe. It starts to, the heart starts to, to pump. You know, it's like really strange. And at one point, I feel that I have to listen and follow the movie. It's, it has its own. Uh, and as I was editing, I was feeling more and more and more that uh, uh, it needed Vangelis. Yeah. It needed the, the, the sound of the, the atmosphere, the spirit of the... the, the, the. It was very impressive uh, when you were putting the Vangelis uh, 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 synthesizers on the images. Then it, was, uh, it became, it was like closer to the what I wanted. And, and it feel, it, for, for me, it felt having seen it a few times, the moments that really kicked in and, and felt like uh, I was it was I was connected to the first film were like not necessarily in scenes where action was happening. It was it was when he's in the, the you know the car when he's traveling from one place uh, to another. It gives you a moment to settle into into the atmosphere and feel something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and honestly, I was a bit uh, nervous when I brought this idea to put the the, the score. The, the I mean the the. The, the original tune on this moment, but it felt uh, pure and 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 uh, perfect idea for the moment yeah. and and uh, to reconnect with the first movie at that precise moment and and uh, um, everybody respond very strongly to this idea. So I, I decided to uh, to go on with it, even if it was a bit bold. I think in a yeah. way. 
I, I know the, the box office side, which we're not going to like dwell on, wasn't what everybody was hoping. I mean, you, you know, this is a film that, like the original, I think will live on for, for many years to come just by the sheer uh, audacity and quality of it. That being said, I'm curious, like, did you and the writers even sketch out a potential other story uh, for... Listen, I just finished the movie a few weeks ago. <laughs> it's a, I, we finished the movie and it was released the next day. You know, it, I don't have any distance. And me, I was like my... I was like... Um, uh, I agreed to do one movie. Uh, uh, I was... Uh, I. We did that movie, and and uh, and it was meant to be like a standalone, and and the the, the it was we gave everything. The um, I know that uh, uh, the the idea is not dead. I mean, it's like uh, um, uh, it could be possible uh, 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 that there would be another one, uh, because from an artistic point of view. The producers and the studio are very proud of the film. Yeah. You know, very proud, and 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 uh, so um, it could it could happen again. Yeah. Do you have like the seed of the idea in the back of your brain of what it would be? Um, some ideas, uh, but uh, uh, let's say that I need to the dust needs to settle <laughs> need down. A, yeah, need yeah, a second. Yeah. I, I and I'm I'm, uh, I'm really focusing on something else right now. Right, and and we'll, and we'll get to that. I'm curious about your. I know that it's early days of Dune, but I, I definitely want to pick your brain a little bit about that. But before before I get to that, I rewatched Arrival again, which I, I just adore as well. Do you see? I mean, Arrival was kind of your first, you know, um, full on foray into science fiction. Do you see a, a connective tissue between Arrival and Blade Runner? Did one? The thing is that when you make movies back to back like that, uh, uh, one thing that uh, uh, is possible to make it such a thing possible is when they are very different. Saying this, so they are very. Saying this, there's a lot of, of uh, connective tissue about the power of memories, yes. you know. And uh, both movies are linked uh, by the, this thematic, uh, yeah, deeply. And my, my, my question that puts you on the psychiatric couch for a second that I noticed <laughs> um, in looking at your, particularly your recent work, I think you're, you're all, all four of your la- most recent films are all in some way about a parent losing a child, it could be said. There, there's something about the, um, the death of childhood that is... is uh, which is a terrifying thing, you know. But uh, it's not about uh, uh, it's the metaphor, you know, of, of uh, maybe how uh, as I grow up I feel about society today. You know, there's something about innocence uh, mm-hmm. that is uh, crushed right now. Uh, there was innocence when I was uh, young. It was possible to be innocent. There was the presence of innocence. In societies, even if the world was still a violent world, today there's something like uh, maybe because of the means of communications or I don't know, something is crushed yeah. and and uh, it's present in the, in the, a lot of my work. Yeah, it's true. Well, one um one, one one kind of filmmaking question that struck me when I was rewatching Arrival. I mean, I guess this is a question that's really it's it's what a director does. The question is kind of uh, generally how do you know where to put a camera? Specifically, I. I was watching like the end of Arrival, where arguably the, the pivotal conversation between Amy and Jeremy's character, um, where they're kind of connecting, mm. kind of for the first time, <laughs> uh, the, 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 the romance is really beginning at the end, you shoot almost entirely from behind. You barely see their mm. faces in that scene um, as you start to go into the flash forwards. Um, it's, what do you remember about the, like, why the, you the, 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 the thing is, is um, with Bradford Young, I did this movie with uh, uh, that, uh, Bradford, uh, the cinematographer Arrival. The idea, it, it, the whole movie was shot in a very dreamlike quality. Mm. And there's something uh, about the... It's very intimate to be just behind the, the, the neck of, of someone, a character. There's something... The power of evocation... And and uh, the feeling of uh, immersion is very strong when you're just there, just above the shoulder, and 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 uh, it's also like a, a dream when you there's something that you cannot catch in the same time. It's it's uh, it's uh, there's a, a wish to see more, and in, in, in the same time a very strong intimate feeling. Yeah, that tension uh, really uh, um, appeals me, and. Uh, 
it felt it's always about finding the perfect spot where you want to put your camera and it comes from a in the preparations from an intellectual process on the dates and very intuitive and it's like a equilibrium between both and and i feel that um it was a strong place to be it was by far the most romantic place to put our camera it was just just close behind there and them you know yeah well yeah. it works um so your head is mostly in dune right now i would imagine you're you and eric roth are working on the screen yes yes that. um this was an important book for you growing up can you can you tell me sort of why you felt or what you remember about falling in love with that book and what the connection but was the, the thing is that uh, i will uh, give myself the permission not to talk about it too much because it's it's always the same is that when you are in gestation gestation is it mm-hmm. a word in english yep, sure. <laughs> you're it's like it's, you're designing something so the ideas are so fragile right now when you start to write something that uh uh but let's say it's it's uh, it's uh, at the time, I I just felt in love with the the culture that was created by Frank Herbert, and 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 uh, what it was saying about religion, and and uh, the link between religion and politics, and the fact that it's a project that uh, you can explore those themes very freely with a lot of freedom, I will say, and and. Uh, um, was, was there was there a childhood um, image or two that sticks with you to this day that you when you think back to first reading it? I, mean, I remember seeing the cover the work, of that the, book. The, yeah, me too, me too, me too. I remember walking in the, in a bookstore, and the thing I never heard of. I don't, uh, you know, when you're that beauty of being born in nowhere is that your everything is new yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you, nobody never talked to me about dune i discovered the book because i was attracted to the cover to and and it was the cover the french cover was fantastic of the first edition it was like and 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 uh what was it do you remember it yeah it's it's the it's the uh uh, uh close-up of a, of a, a black man with blue eyes over uh, above a desert and it's a very strong image yeah and and uh, uh, very hypnotic, and my work right now is to reconnect with my first impressions and my first in the memory, my memories of how I felt and 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 the images that came out when I read the book the first time, the first original images, and to connect with that and 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 uh, that's a very strong process and uh, and. Um, very exciting, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I won't tell. I know you, you. It's so early. It's it's cruel to talk about too much. But I'm curious, like, as you're writing this with, with Eric, do you think about from a filmmaking standpoint? I mean, like, the epic nature of the story, the sandworms, etc. Like, like literally, like, do you think about like how I'm going to achieve that if that's going to be seen? No, 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 no. The, 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 the beginning is like uh, you, you. It's all about the dream. I, you, it's you never. I, I must never, never. Think about the, uh, how I will do things at the beginning. You have to I remember. I remember. Uh, first AD told me she was uh, trying to write a screenplay, and she said, "Okay, well, I'm gonna write this. No, no rain. Rain is too tough, uh, and no dog, and and uh, don't put ca- kids in a scene. And uh, you know, you cannot start to write thinking right. about it. Uh, you have to go all the way, and then you deal with the problems." And, you <laughs> yourself. and the studio can say, um, "That's not gonna work." <laughs> I mean, you're in such an exciting. This must be an exciting time for you as a filmmaker that you're getting to realize kind of those dreams you you have as a child and you know you've been making great films for a while but um i'm just giving me a sense of sort of like where, where your head's at in terms of the opportunities that are coming to you you have you know bond came your way i know and i'm sure there are other franchises we don't know that have been offered to you and those are probably very tantalizing exciting opportunities what are you are you going with your gut at this point in terms of like how you're choosing how to steer your career? I mean, how, what's your? There's no, listen. The, 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 I always uh, uh, work the same way since the beginning. Is that I go. Uh, uh, it's a call. A project needs to appeal to you, uh, and 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 you. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, I've been uh, offered very very nice project that I I decline. Not because the project, the project sometimes is very strong. It's just that I feel I'm not the right filmmaker not, to do it, yeah. and it doesn't inspire me. The images are not coming out. 
Yeah. It, it needs to, to and and why uh, if you ask me today if I had nothing on my table what I would love to do I will say doom. It's something that I said because I know that the images I'm inspired by it and it's and if if dune collapse I have no idea what I'm going to do. You know it's like it's I put all my eggs in the same basket all the time. Yeah. I'm I'm uh, it's I have it's not a choice. It's a call. Did 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 you you know, there's so much talk uh, of the, the superhero franchises nowadays, so I can't imagine it hasn't crossed your, your radar. I'm sure maybe you've had a meeting or not with these these companies. Have you ever connected with, like, a superhero? Have you ever felt no, connection? No, because with I'm not from that culture. I'm, 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 uh, I'm French-Canadian, which means that my culture was uh, is European. I mean, I'm, I was influenced by uh, authors from France and Belgium, and, right. and Belgium, sorry, and... and, and and uh, uh, Reopens, a graphic novelist. So, honestly, I don't. I, I knew very little about uh, the most of them. I don't know them. <laughs> <laughs> I know sometimes uh, I don't know. I so it means I'm not the right person to do yeah. them. You know, if to do those movies, you need to love those characters. Me, I, I, I'm a stranger. You know. I, uh, anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, what's, what's your relation to the Star Wars franchise? Do you have a love? That's of that? different. I, I was like uh, in 1977. Like I was I, I was 10 years ten, old, okay. so I was the target audience. I'm I'm a, a victim of of that of that. <laughs> it infects uh, your system. You can't yeah, get yeah, it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. The two first Star Wars, uh, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, were like I think Empire Strikes Back is the movie that I had the most. Um, how can I say that in English? I was waiting the most, uh, more yes. apprehension, you know, yeah. two years of, of like it. Uh, it was like, a, but um, it died with uh, uh, Return of the Jedi. <laughs> the not an Ewok guy. I'm not a, no, I was like a pure uh, uh, believer, you know. <laughs> I, I ate the third one so much that was the end for me. <laughs> Have you, uh, would you entertain delving into that universe if they came calling is that something that's intriguing it's it's, it's something that uh, uh again it's like uh i will be intrigued I'm, i'll, I'll uh, i don't know it's, it's a very difficult what is dangerous with star wars right now is that becomes its own um, vocabulary you know it, sure. uh, that uh, i would love to see them uh, i think rogue one was a very interesting uh, attempt to uh, very 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 interesting uh uh, way to get out of the mold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I. I um... So yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, like, I don't know if you've heard, like, Ryan Johnson. They they've now kind of let him chart out another trilogy that apparently mm. is unrelated to the Skywalker saga, as it were, which is intriguing because I think it's what you're talking about. I it's, think it will be uh, time to do that yeah, because it's, uh, it's, from, a, it's a bit. Yeah. It's, a, it's like a, there's a limit to have. A, a, Daughters, neighbors, uh, cousins, uh, uncles. Of, uh, I mean, <laughs> how can everybody uh, know a Skywalker? Yeah, 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 yeah. Can you? Yeah, I think it would be a great idea to get out of there. I so mean, okay. and, and to do something. Yeah, to go in an, in a, on a new uh, part of the galaxy. That I will be open to. Okay, so yeah. they, need, they need another trilogy <laughs> in an unrelated part, then called Denis. Um, and uh, I mean, I was talking to Nolan. I know uh, like Revere's Bond. He grew up like I think he's. St- I, I have a feeling he's going to make a Bond film. Me at too. Some me point. too. I think. I think. He, I, I, I never talked about it with him, but I have that feeling too. It'd be fascinating. Do you um, like? He, and he said he has a take on it. He's obviously not saying what his take would mm-hmm. be eventually. Did you ever get to that point of like thinking of like what you would do with a, a James Bond film? Uh, I grew up with it too, and and uh, I uh, I deeply love James Bond. I mean, I would love to uh, I would love to direct a James Bond. For me, it would be pure, pure, massive uh, pleasure. And uh, it's a long career. Uh, it's we'll it's a it's a yeah, it's a thing that uh, I don't know. One day, maybe I hope. Yeah. What, what have filmed? But I, I have no. The truth is, uh, um, it's a thing. It's a, the James Bond is a, again. It's another one that is very. Uh, it's a, uh, dangerous. The, the, it's sometimes crystallized a bit. Uh, I think that what uh, Daniel Craig was able to do is fantastic. Yeah. 
fantastic but they, and and uh, but how um, to reinvent again uh, or reboot uh, that character uh, it's a big challenge yeah. yeah yeah do you find yourself still inspired by other films and filmmakers can you recall recent films i mean you've been in kind of the box you've been in the blade runner whole but honestly uh, 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 to be i haven't seen a lot of movies in the past years yeah. okay that's the, sadly the truth but i will say that uh, the t- spontaneously, the two movies that uh, I will say to you that deeply inspired me in the past. Uh, uh, the the first one is Under the Skin from Jonathan Glazer's. Yeah. I deeply love that film. I mean that. Uh, <laughs> Hypnotic, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like um, still up one one of my favorites in the recent memories. And this summer, I must say, I, I'm uh, uh, a movie like Dunkirk for me is what why I love cinema. Yeah. I mean, it's like that for me is uh, uh, it's. I think really a masterpiece. It's uh, uh, the best Christopher Nolan movie, and it's like uh, um, what cinema should be. You know, it's like it's all about uh, uh, exploration of movement and and and. Uh, it's, it's pure uh, cinema. Pure it's cinema. A, right? So yes, yes. Yeah. Sorry, I was lost in my. No, no, I understand. Yeah, yeah. Are you a George Miller fan? Are you? Uh... I thought I thought that uh, uh, when uh, I saw. Uh, Mad Max, I, 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 I was applauding at the end. <laughs> For me, it was like an ultimate roadrunner show. <laughs> it's like, it was like, I thought that the level of pleasure in that movie was like uh, very contagious. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny because like ending on this note, it's, it's, I put you in the company of people like Christopher Nolan and George Miller and that, and I think this is what you were getting at. Very, uh, uh, you, are, you are very generous. Well, no, I, I mean, uh, but what I mean by that is, you know, there's a lot of conversation I have on this podcast with people, as you can tell, I'm a big film fan and I, I like many worry about cinema and worry about what's get, what's landing in the multiplex and what people are making and all of these filmmakers that we've just mentioned you all are creating films that need that demand to be seen on, on the big screen with an audience and, and that's... Yeah, in, a, in a way I feel I, myself uh, I'm happy you're saying so because it's really the way I, I dream about movies is to be seen on a wide screen and, and I, I, uh, I had just the privilege to, to do uh, the, when I we, Blade Runner was released in several versions one of them is IMAX mm-hmm. and it was the first time that I was doing a, a conversion of IMAX and, and it was planned at the beginning Roger and I shot the movie so it could be uh, uh, transferred into IMAX uh, format. Yeah, I deeply love the IMAX version, the the frame, the the what it it creates, uh, and I I think I uh, I'm gonna shut my next uh, project uh, for IMAX definitely. Again, it's, I deeply love that. As a, so yeah, I I uh, I try to. I'm a dinosaur. I go the dire- opposite direction. Uh, I go no. away from the iPhone uh, screening <laughs> experience. <laughs> no, it's funny. It's funny how it's it's gone circular. Where. Um, I feel we're getting more 70 millimeter films. We're getting mm. more films shot. Film seems to be coming back in a way, but thanks to people that are kind of guarding it, like Tarantino and and, and Nolan. And uh, and I feel like um, you know there are certain unnamed blockbusters that uh, I feel like the audience is, is 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 getting it. That you can't just make it in a factory and just turn it out. It has to feel soulful from a, a unique point of view. So um, that's what I get out of your films. And, and uh, I, I'm so appreciative of your time today. And uh, It was a pleasure to talk to you. I, I, hope, it, I hope it made sense. Okay. It absolutely okay. did. Absolutely <laughs> did. You're welcome anytime. And uh, uh, looking forward to the next one. Congratulations again. Today. Thank you. Thanks. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. (laughs) 